Welcome to the Tech Insider. This week we have your own worship pastor, Bo. Bo, what's your last name? Church. Yeah, Bo Church is on the podcast today. So, Bo, uh, we, we don't even need an intro. We can just go right into it. Right into it, sure. How long have you been at Community Heights? A little over two and a half years. Okay. And what brought you to this church? Uh, the snow. The snow, because yeah. <laughs> I hear you came from Florida. Yes, 13 years in Florida. 13 years in Florida. Yeah. So you, your girls didn't know anything else. No, living in Florida was their deal. We'd go to vacation in Minnesota to see snow and to hang out with family, but really life was the beach. How old was your oldest when you guys moved here? Uh, 11 and a half, almost 12. That's not Addie, is it? No, that would be Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah. Kelsey. Is Addie the other one? Addie the other one, our youngest. Yep. Okay. All right. So, Kelsey, think about this, folks. 11 and a half years you grew up in Florida, and then you end up coming to Iowa. We need to have some mercy on this poor girl. <laughs> when she dreams of home, she's dreaming of oranges and palm trees. So, so yeah, what, what got you up here? Why would you do that to yourself and others? Yeah, so we spent 13 years uh, in dual role ministry at our church. We were worship and youth, and that can get very wearisome. And so we just started to pray and ask the Lord, what would you have us to do next? The timing just seemed like it was right for us to to make a transition into a new ministry. And we sent our resumes out to a few different districts within our denomination. The pastor at the time of Community Heights gave us a call uh, and we, we chatted. He actually called us a year prior to and asked us about youth ministry. And that was just something we just didn't feel the Lord was continuing to call us into. And so we declined and said, and so I told him, I said, hey, but if you're ever looking for a worship guy, let me know. And almost a year later, he calls me up and and says, hey, I'm looking for a worship guy and I'm letting you know. And so thus the ball started to roll and uh, the Lord just worked a lot of things out. And so we ended up moving here to Iowa in August of 2015, August 2015, yes. (laughs) It's been over two years, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Not to reveal too much family family action here, but how difficult was it for your daughters to leave Florida? Was it was it like an adventure to them, or were they were they really disappointed to leave the the warm state? So I remember the conversation we had at our dinner table in Fort Myers, and when we were even just candidating, just coming to interview, uh, there were some tears. Uh, by our girls and Jen and I felt badly about that as well because we were pulling them out of what they knew life to be. There wasn't another option uh, of living. There weren't other friends and other schools and other teachers and another church, all that stuff. They knew Fort Myers and they knew the people of the church down there. So when we told them that we were interviewing for a new ministry position in Iowa, that was pretty tough. But we felt it important that they came with us to that interview, and we had talked with the leadership about that, and so they were very generous to fly us up all together. And so they kind of started to understand and to see, like, okay, well, yeah, we could do this. Now, granted, it was June. It was Father's Day weekend. It was very beautiful at that time, uh, as far as the sunshine. That's the way to do it. That's yeah. <laughs> the way to lure them up. <laughs> That's right. Hook, line, and sinker. So they, they kind of... Felt like, okay, maybe we could do this. Uh, Then when it came time to actually make the decision that we were moving, that was heartbreaking. And packing our house and just all the stresses that come up into that. 
So once we kind of left Fort Myers and we were driving here, there was a sense of adventure. There were a lot of stories and memories we made on that trip, which were chaotic. Um, and we got here and it was just new. But it, it took a, a long time uh, for them to really settle in. And, and there are even still some days where they, they're processing and they miss Fort Myers and they miss our friends and our uh, connections down there. So when we go down, it's a really big deal for us to get down there and to see people. And we try to get their friends together so they can see them too. So, But yeah, it was pretty difficult. Well, you know, as churches and as church families, I hope that everyone at Community Heights appreciates that, you know, just for, and, and I don't even care about you and Jen so much. You know, you're big people, you know, you can handle it. But for kids, mm-hmm. you know, that move and, and other families move, you don't have to be in ministry to move, but, mm-hmm. but also just to be sensitive. So I love it when I see your girls hanging out with their friends at Community yeah, Heights. We do too. Knowing that from, you know, from early middle school all the way through high school, that's when a lot of your memories are going to be made, mm-hmm. and they'll be able to make them here. Uh, so tell me your story. You grew up, did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you grow up with both biological parents? Were you saved at an early age? You know, what was your family story growing up? Yeah, so we weren't a Christian home growing up. Uh, my dad was in the military, uh, and so we've lived pretty much around the world. I was born in Panama, Central America. We lived in Germany, Arizona, Texas. Uh, finally landed in Atlanta where my dad finished up retirement in Texas and then moved and joined us to Atlanta. Uh, shortly after that, there was, uh, the separation of my parents. My dad felt like he needed to do his own thing. This is all perspective from my mom that I'm getting, of course. Um, but there was just a, a division between them. So he went about his own way. So those are some very difficult years. How old were you? Uh, I was going into the seventh grade. We had moved to Atlanta from Texas uh, and was entering the seventh grade. And I remember, you know, you all, all the kids have to fill out those forms when they're getting into school and just kind of their name and their address, all that stuff. And parents uh, married, divorced, that deal. And I had to check that box, divorced, which was just another like painful thing for me because that just wasn't something I ever expected in life. I felt like I thought my parents had a really good marriage and that just yeah that was a wreck for me to even have to check that box so that's part of that part i wonder if they ask that question anymore i mean yeah yeah i'm quite a bit older than you but even still when you were a kid things were done differently yeah you know for sure. than they are now but for the kid to have to fill that out i could see maybe the parents you know filling out a form like mm-hmm. that but you know it it reminds me of a guy who talked about when you don't accept grace the way you should, and the sin still plagues you. You don't think that you've that that you've done something wrong, but you think that there's something uniquely wrong about you. Mm. You know, and I just picture you as a kid checking that off and feeling like like there's something wrong with you, right? And not that you know your parents just didn't succeed in marriage, and they tried to communicate that it's not about us kids. And, and it certainly wasn't. Right, of course all. not. No, I mean, but, but look I had what it does to, do to the marriage. Kid, though, yeah, it, that, it does. That today you still remember doing right, that. Right, and over time, I think there was a valuable lesson in all of that. Uh, I believe that you know, the Scripture tells us the Lord works all things out for the good, right? And so over time, there was just a man growing inside of me that was not going to reciprocate that same lifestyle. And so it was when I get married, that is my wife and it is till death do us part. 
when I have kids, I'm going to be involved in their lives. I'm going to love them with as much love as I can give them and just have a positive influence on them. Uh, being called into ministry, I was called into ministry uh, in high school. All of that, just leading my children in ministry life and teaching them the foundation that Christ lays for us and how to live on that foundation and what the scripture tells us about living. All those things was just continuously developing in me. Had my parents not got divorced, I certainly do not believe I would be sitting here today in ministry. I don't think. That was not something my father thought was anything. Uh, There wasn't success in it. There wasn't a future in it, the whole thing. And he doesn't understand. And if he ever listens to this podcast, it'll be interesting, but he'll never understand the future that is in eternity. And that's just something that weighs on my heart and Jen's heart and my daughter's heart that Grandpa Church would understand that he would get what is eternity after this. Ironically, Grandpa Church, right? Right. The church grandpa. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Grandpa. Yeah. You know, so the, the divorce was the lemons mm. and God took that and you, you being a ministry is the lemonade. Sure. You know, the redemption of a really bad thing that God uses. Mm. You know, we have similar stories like that because my dad was an alcoholic and I, there were things that I saw in my dad that I said, oh, you know, I want to be like that. But then there were things that I saw and I just said, I am not going to do that. They drove me to make decisions to not be a certain way and not do certain things. I've told students for years as a youth pastor, when you get to be 18 and you graduate from high school, you get to make the choices. Mm-hmm. You get to decide the kind of a home that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Because usually, you know, they'd be coming to me and they'd have, yeah, they'd have their home would be a wreck. And I would say, yeah, yeah but you're, you're going to be able to have a family that's right. That's not like that. And Stop you're one pattern. of the ones mm-hmm. that have done that. Right. So there's just history that comes through all of this, and I was just not going to continue on that legacy. I was going to create a new, healthy legacy. So, so you uh, you went off to Bible college at what age? Uh, To Cole Falls College, right Um, after high school. Well, no, I took a year between high school and college, um, just financially, just trying to figure all that stuff out. And then there was a family, a close family friend, that sent me to a campus preview at Tacoa and said, we believe that the Lord wants you here to further your ministry and to to continue to step into your calling. Um, and I remember driving onto the campus and just saying, yes, this is this is the place. And of course, that stressed my mom out because <laughs> there's just a huge financial burden with that. But the Lord provided people in my life to help with that, with tuition, and just continuing to encourage me in my calling and to help me be confirmed in what the Lord was calling me into. So Tacoa Falls Bible College. Northeast Georgia. Northeast Georgia. Has a waterfall on the campus. is 186 feet high. It's actually 20 feet taller than Niagara Falls and the tallest waterfall this side of the Mississippi. Is it really? No, it's the tallest waterfall east of the Mississippi, not this side because we're in Iowa. That's true. That's that side of the Mississippi. Yeah, that was a speech I learned. And that's one of our Christian Missionary Alliance schools. Yes, Yep. How far was that from where you lived? Were um, you in Atlanta? Yeah, in Atlanta, okay. so it's an hour and a half drive. So I can go home on weekends if I wanted to. Or... That's why you like Chick-fil-A so much. Yeah. Because you lived in Atlanta, the yes. foundation of Chick-fil-A. Yes, yes, So Chick-fil-A. where did you meet Jen? So Jen and I met, we were both working in the admissions office on campus at Tacoa Falls. Uh, she was the front desk receptionist and answered phones and so on, and I was one of the admissions counselors, they used to call them. So was this after you graduated? No, I was still in college. Uh, it was my sophomore year that I got hired on 
uh, as an admissions counselor, um, which was a lot of fun because it was promoting a school that I was very passionately adoring and being there. So it was it was great to connect with high school students and telling them about the school and if they were feeling called into ministry or into Christian education or whatever and all the things that Tacoa had to offer. Um, and so that was a lot of fun, just meeting those students and then um, even going on trips and connecting at camps and stuff with other students. And, and that just, that was fun for me. So there was, early on in my calling, there was a call into youth ministry. And it was weird when I first set foot on the campus uh, and signing up for classes, um, somehow I ended up at the music table, uh, not out of confusion, just the Lord prompted and sent me over to the music table. Um, and that's where I signed my life away to worship ministry, music ministry. I was going to ask, you know, you're a musician. Where did that start? But it started before then, though. Well, uh, or no. Yeah, I sang a few solos in church and sang in the church choir uh, in middle school. Um, started to play the guitar when I was working security at the college. So a friend of mine loaned me his guitar, and I sat down at the security guard shack doing overnight shifts playing some jars of clay on the radio and learning chord structures and just figuring out how to play the guitar. And that's where just everything developed from there. The old graveyard shift in the guard shack. Oh, man, good times. Did you get to wear the uniform and everything? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Eagle 18, I think, was my radio number. And, of course, there's a lot of criminal action on a Bible college campus, Well, right? you got streakers that just want to get out and goof off, you know? I mean, it's just, yeah, simple stuff. Yeah, yeah but they're the Bible college students, though. Well, you know, we all have a little wild hair in us. So so you went to the music table. Yeah. Did that become your your major at Tacoa Falls? Yeah, my major was the BS in church music focus with a vocal emphasis singing. So what year was that? When did you start? Um, I would have started in 95. Yeah, I graduated summer of 94, took a year off, started the fall of 95. So worship wars were just about to really yeah. hit a peak they in were the next really five starting years. Up. Yeah, the passion movement was getting started. Uh, Chris Tomlin was getting his feet wet and that whole thing. How did that impact your, your major? How did that impact those courses? So we actually took? took a course on that, on planning worship services, because it was so new. And even our chapels in Tacoa were making a slow transition with that. So a lot of my classes were focused on traditional and classical music. There wasn't much of the new worship stuff coming or whatever. And so I've had to grow with this whole thing because none of my education prepared me for what I'm doing now. It's been a growth, which uh, any job you take, any ministry position you hold, you grow with it. But with music, it's a whole different kind of growth yeah. because you're... So church choral stuff. Yeah, you're walking a whole congregation through that process, which is very wearisome because you're trying to bring something really new and different into a church and it's intimate. Music is very intimate. And so you're bringing that into a church that doesn't know that. There's a lot of pushback on that. Really? Maybe a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. I mean, there are generations that hold very dearly the traditional hymns and some of those songs have a very deep story for them in their life. And that's, I mean, and that's relevant. But there's music out there today, new stuff that people hear on the radio or see on YouTube, and it connects deeply with them, too. And so it's the two masses coming together and creating a very, very big friction in the middle 
because Great is Thy Faithfulness is a very awesome hymn and reminds us that God is so good and faithful. But then there are worship songs that remind us of how great God is, how great is our God. And so when those two worlds collide, it's just like, whoa, wait a minute. You'd think they wouldn't collide. You'd think they'd just support each other, right? But again, it's so intimate. Music is so intimate. And I think because of its intimacy, that causes people to resist change because that spoke very deeply to me. And now you're telling me I need to walk away from that. And that's not the case to walk away, but yet we don't sing those as frequently. We're looking for the newer stuff. So let's let's not get too far ahead yeah, of ourselves. Yeah. And I, I feel bad that Jen isn't here, mm-hmm. but because you know you work here and we've got offices across from each other, this was just easy to record. Sure. Uh, tell me. So you guys met in the yes. admissions office. Yep. You met there, and and that was your sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And then how did your relationship progress? And at what point did you guys get married? So we would have met in '97, the summer of '97. I lived on campus, working in the admissions office. She lived off campus. She was house-sitting for some friends and their cat. They had a cat, and she was cat-sitting, I guess, and house-sitting. Um, and so we met. Uh, it was her brownies that hooked me in. Uh, she made some really awesome brownies. With nuts or no nuts? No nuts. Yeah, <laughs> no nuts. I don't do nuts with brownies. I don't do nuts with many desserts, actually. I love nuts, but with brownies, uh, I don't yeah, like them with brownies. Um, yeah, Chick-fil-A got rid of the brownies with nuts, and that was a very <laughs> good move. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, so we had had a big cookout with all the staff team from the admissions office, and she brought brownies, and I had those brownies, and I just... So I was just trying to be Mr. Charming, like, man, I'd really love my own pan of brownies or something. I don't know. I was being goofy, trying to woo this girl. And then uh, we slowly began to have a relationship. And uh, we were watching one of the playoff games of the Chicago Bulls. I had asked for a haircut. She cuts hair. And so I'd asked for a haircut. In exchange for a haircut, I would make her <laughs> shrimp marinara. <laughs> mm, that's that cold shrimp, isn't it? That you dip into that. No, it was spaghetti with spaghetti oh, sauce okay. and shrimp instead of meat or beef or whatever. So, yeah, so I cooked her dinner. And then next thing you know, we're, we're dating. And, uh, yeah, it went on from there. And then in, I'm going to get my dates messed up. And that's why it's very crucial that she's here. Well, I'm just thinking in terms of like senior year, yeah. senior year. She had already graduated. Okay. And so she was working the admissions office as kind of a summer job and in between to find out what's next for her. Um, and so, yeah, we dated in the summer of 97 and then we were engaged about a year later and then we were married in the summer of 99. So we started dating June 12th, 1997, and then we got married June 18th, 1999. So two years and a week. Quick turnaround. Yeah, it was, but, you know, and I was still in college, and so we had a pretty awesome house. Rent was like $200 a month, and it was a two-bedroom place, and it was just right for us. And uh, we got me through college and then took on our first ministry assignment in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. And then ended up in Florida. Bloomsburg. Wow. So how long were you in Pennsylvania? Year and a half. Okay. So yeah. right after, right out of my college town, I was in a church for two years and three months. Yeah. That's just about how long I needed to be there and uh-huh. went on to the next thing. That's right. But then your next place, you were there for, was that the place you were at for 13 No, so years? we were two and a half years in Fort Myers, I mean in uh, West Palm Beach, and then landed in Fort Myers for 10 and a half. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. 13 years 
13 in, years total in Florida. in Florida in that district down there. Yep. And now you're up here. Yes. So, you, you know, people think of you as the, the worship guy, but mm-hmm. you do other things. And one of the things you do is you're like a, you're like our community connection. Yeah. So when you came up here, uh, you're involved in the, in the fire department. Yep. As a chaplain, mm-hmm. uh, you're on the, uh, I wanted to say the Board of Education. Nope. That's what you got hanging in your pantry that you use on the girls, right? The Board of Education? That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm on the uh, Chamber of Commerce Board of Directors. Chamber of Commerce. Yes. Okay. So why do you, I always like to ask things from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Why do you waste your time with that stuff? Why do you waste your time on community stuff? That's not here. That You can't do that in your office. That's not here at the church where you belong, where you work. Why do you do stuff out in the community like that? Uh, I like people. I like getting to know people. Um, I like to hopefully be somebody that can have a positive influence on them. Uh, but it's also, it's modeled after what Christ calls us to do. Yeah, I was hoping you were going to bring Jesus into this somewhere. Yes, there it is. <laughs> uh, it's what Christ calls us to do we are to go he didn't say to stay he said to go and so part of my going is to be out in the community connecting with people that are not uh, members of our church attenders of our church connected to our church Um, and so I just I feel that there's some importance in that as a pastor to be able to model that I also have this thing in my head we ask people the church to volunteer to do things here at the church, uh, to be a part of ministry here at the church. So if I'm asking people to take time out of their day above and beyond their work schedule uh, to volunteer ministry here at our church, I feel some conviction and responsibility to do the same in my community. So that's why I spend some hours at the fire department on Fridays uh, hanging out with those guys and just getting to know them. Uh, that's why I want to be a part of the Chamber of Commerce, because that's a direct connection into our community, into our city life, and being able to connect Community Heights Alliance Church more deeply with the city uh, and different events and being able to help out with a variety of things. That's why we helped. Uh, we sponsored the new teachers luncheon last fall before the school year, because I wanted those new teachers and their administrators and the people of our city to know that there's a church that is for them, that wants to love on them and to care for them and to pray for them. That's why we're connected with TJ Elementary. We're partnering with them because we want those kids and those teachers to know that we love them and we want to encourage them and we want to support them. So it's just those kinds of things. I just, maybe God's just calling me to be the bridge between the two gaps. I don't know. But for me, I get a lot of joy out of connecting with people in our community. So you're also involved in that Thanks with Frank's Things. Is that the name of it? Thanks with yeah, Franks. Yeah, Thanks the hot f- dog making contest. Yeah, that I mean, you yeah. just, you've just gotten us involved, I guess, as right, a church right. with that. And uh, there's a parade. Fourth of July parade. Okay, Fourth of July parade. And then you've been talking about some concert thing downtown. Yeah. Uh, Whether or not it happens, right, you've been it's just a dream to, to do a, a community wide concert and to bring in some Christian bands and just block off the street down at the square and just have a big concert. It's just a big family-friendly night, bounce houses, food trucks, whatever. I don't know. Um, Just to bring the community together in a a positive environment Uh, and for our church people to be able to rub shoulders with the community in that way as well. I mean, and we do that. We do that with Thanks with Franks and 
um, different events that are down there in Fourth of July parade. Uh, though some of us are in the parade with a float, a lot of our church people are on the streets rubbing shoulders with people that are not from our church, maybe from their work or whatever. And so avenues that we can take to continuously connect each other in the community with those that aren't a part of our church. I remember when we were at the Alliance General Council in Columbus, and you and I at some point bumped into each other somewhere. I don't remember the very first glance. Um, but I love re- it for sight, right? Yeah, I don't know that it was that, but <laughs> for you guys, for you guys. But I met with you and Jen, and mm-hmm. we went to some restaurant and sat down and had lunch and just talked yeah. and talked and talked. And uh, it's true that whatever my first impressions were, um, I don't know that they've the first impressions have necessarily changed, but they were incomplete impressions mm-hmm. of who you guys are. And it's interesting is the, the longer we time we spend together, the the more the more three sixty you know full orb right. view I get of your family, you guys, and your life. It was a second or third week that we were in our house that you called and said, hey, I'm going to be coming by. Can I stop in and visit with you and Debbie? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, sure. And I, I don't know that you said Debbie at the time. You might have. But but I remember thinking, okay, what does he want to talk about? What what <laughs> issue does he want to get in my ear over that's that he's concerned about? You know, or, or what's the problem? I'm just anticipating. Sure. Because you didn't say. So you come over and sit in our living room, and you, you came over as a pastor. Hmm. As, as a friend, but as a pastor, you kind of made a pastoral call because we, we were new. We just moved in. You kind of saw our hair was on fire, <laughs> you know, and we were maybe, I don't know, maybe I was, I was doing a lot of stuff at that time. We were really busy and, and life was just a little bit in disarray. You just came in and told us to just settle down, you know, just cool down. <laughs> don't worry about anything. If you could help, you know, then you prayed with us. We chatted for a little bit and you got up and left. And I looked at my wife and I said, that was really cool. <laughs> I, that hardly ever happens mm. to pastors, you know. So for you to do that was really meaningful. That was meaningful. So when people come in on a Sunday, Bo, and they come into the service mm. and we have this time of music that sometimes gets split split in half with announcements. Yeah. Um, but we have this time of music. What do you want to be in people's hearts? What do you want them to experience when they come in? And and by the way, let me just throw this out there. I've sat in the front and I've sat in the back of the room during the worship time. And for me personally, they're they're really different experiences. Mm-hmm. In the back I've stood behind everybody during worship time, kind of waiting for my wife to get done talking in the lobby and then to come in and then I'll go and sit down with her. And there's a lot of like activity sometimes going on toward the back of the room. But when you're in the front two or three rows, I feel like so connected to what the worship team is leading us in. But then in the back, it's it's just more of a struggle to stay focused. Yeah. But but in general now, in general, what do you want us to experience during that worship time? Part of my hope is that when people step into our worship service and we start singing, that they're able to disconnect life for a little while, the reality of whatever their life is in for uh, the time that they're here, um, especially when they're singing, that they can kind of release some stresses, some um, intensities in their life, 
uh, or that they could really just have an even deeper connection with the Lord as they're singing um, and to be able to just praise him for who he is and how great he is. I can only imagine some families um, and anybody that listens to this and they're probably, yeah, this is probably our family. This is us. It is chaos in the morning just to get out the door to come for church. I don't have that me personally because I get up before my family does. Right. We get here early, yes, right? Yes. I, I have my own time and it's just real quiet and I just take my time and I get ready and I get here and then I get to my office and I have my quiet time and I just kind of prepare myself for the day, uh, what's ahead, all that stuff. So, I mean, my situation is very different from another dad and or his family's situation where uh, it's just chaos. And so they're rushing to get here. I mean, they may even have kids in the van that they're still tying their shoes as they're pulling into the parking lot, right? And so it's my hope that once they set foot in here, that that chaos can kind of subside and that they can like just enjoy being in God's presence and being in presence with one another and fellowship and just worshiping the Lord. My goal and the thing that really gets me ramped up when I'm leading is when I look out and I see people just worshiping. Hands raised, eyes closed, they're not distracted by anything, they're only focused on the Lord. Um, Those are things that remind me that this is why you do what you do, and when I see those people out there and they're engaged in an unselfish way, I say, good job, because that's that's the, the goal, that's the drive, that's why I do what I do, because I want people engaged in singing praises to the Lord. Okay, this is going to be an unvarnished moment here, Bo. I'm going, to, I'm going to step out on a limb here with with the guys in our church. Okay, because I've I've walked in and I've stood in the back at different times, and I've noticed some of the men in our church. Now I could be wrong. Let me preface this: I could be wrong because I'm not in front of them; I'm behind them. But what I'm thinking is they're standing there. Some of them with their hands in their pockets. Yeah. They're not singing, and they're just standing there while the music goes on. And I've seen some that have kids around them. You know, they're kids. And I'm thinking, dude, you know, they're, they're watching you. Mm-hmm. Your kids are watching you. And then I've seen other, like you said, you know, other people that are, that are fully engaged. And to be fair, some of us, we're just not expressive personalities. Yeah. We're men. So, yeah. So you could be standing <laughs> there with your hands in your pocket, and you could be soaking in the music, and you could be having a private moment with God. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to judge. But since I'm talking to the guys, I feel like I could be a little brass knuckles here, right? <laughs> sure. I, I'm not going to do this with women and children, but guys, <laughs> because I want men in our church, mm-hmm. I want them to be connected to God. Mm-hmm. And I want them to be leading their their kids, uh, being as, as dads to their kids. I want their kids to be able to look at their dads and say, my dad loves God. Mm-hmm. My dad loves Jesus. He's not too tough. Mm-hmm. to love Jesus. So when you think about guys in that auditorium, talk to me about that. What goes through your heart and your mind? So I learned a long time ago to not assume uh, what's going on in that man's heart at that moment when the music's going. We as men do not release ourselves to vulnerability very easy. Uh, we are the strong ones in our family. We are the heads of our household. However you want to put it, we are the stable ones, and we're the ones that are supposed to have it all together. Of course, you know, we think we're all those things. Well, I, right. Okay. That's all the right. perception, <laughs> okay. right? Because we're men, that's how we're supposed to act. This is the American male, right? Something, okay, yeah. Okay. So for us to allow ourselves to be seen with our hands raised, with our eyes closed, even with tears running down our face, 
that's a big vulnerability that we're not comfortable with. Even for me, over time, as my walk with the Lord has grown, to release myself, to allow myself to outwardly worship, not caring who sees me, what they're thinking about me, but only allowing myself to be focused on the Lord. And so for us men to step into that is a very uncomfortable place. It's okay to watch our wives or even our kids engage in worship, sons and daughters. Um, But for us to just be open to that, that's a struggle. And so I learned a long time ago to not judge that man or to not make it an assumption that he's not worshiping because he very well could be just in his own way. Um, It just doesn't look like what somebody else is doing. Um, So I've kind of relaxed in that thinking, okay, maybe his lips are moving, maybe they're not, but it's what's going on in the heart, where the focus is from the heart. That's that's the important part. And so whether we see that in a hand raised, singing out loud, hands in the pocket and swaying back and forth or to the left, I, I mean, I, I, I just I can't assume um, what's going on in that guy's life. So I hope that they are just as engaged in worship as somebody that's dancing in the aisle or yeah. in their seat row or whatever. Yeah, that's good. So now as we're, we're bringing this in for a landing, mm-hmm. um, what are some things that have been really, really difficult in your life? What are some, you know, if I were to say, what was that defining moment for you or what were some defining realities? It could be in the last two years, could be in the last 20 years that really kind of define who you are and how you view life, how you see things. What might one or two of those things be? So I think uh, in our previously talking about the divorce of my parents, okay. that was a big deal because that first started up a whole lot of insecurities, instabilities in life, not knowing about the future. Sometimes when your parents are married and it's good, that the future seems good. But that really rocked that. And so that was a big thing for me. And as I said, that also molded how I was going to be a husband, but also a father. So that was a big pivotal moment for me. Um, And that's where, when I was a kid and after my parents were divorced, we started attending church with my aunt and uncle. And um, I remember sitting in the pew at the church and the pastor speaking on how God is our heavenly father. And uh, that's when it clicked for me that even though my earthly father isn't as faithful, uh, my heavenly father is. And so that was, that was the moment that I released my life to God. That's when I surrendered. That's when I asked Jesus into my heart. That's when I sought for forgiveness um, and pursued salvation in Jesus because I wanted to be able to depend on a heavenly father, knowing that he is faithful. Um, so... The divorce into my salvation were just kind of a whole pendulum swing, if you would, uh, for me that really caused me to put some focus on my life, who I was going to be. Uh, and then when called into ministry, just all that, just how that unraveled. So before we end, do you have any parting shots for the congregation, for those who are listening? Anything you'd want to encourage them or challenge them in? Um, something for our church people to not allow the things of this world to distract you so much that you can't focus on Christ. And there's a lot of that. Yeah. And more and more all the time. Right. Bo, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for leading in worship and all of the other things that you do that even some that I don't see. 
So thanks for thanks for being out with me today. And as they say at Chick-fil-A, it's my pleasure. All right. <laughs> there you have it. That's Bo Church. I hope that you've learned just a little bit about Bo. You learned some stuff that you didn't know. But with everybody who's on, I hope that you can appreciate them a little bit more and understand them a little bit better because everybody has a story. So next Thursday, another episode will release because if it's Thursday, it's the Jack Insider.